Hi, I'm Matt Gates, and I'm here because I'm tired of seeing my good name slumped through the mud. So I'm here to kind of take my name back, because I'm tired of picking up a Twitter and reading that Matt Gates looks like a sentient trust fund made of blow. Matt Gates looks like both drama masks combined. They look like a character from Trolls World Tour who fell off a cliff and went to hell. Somebody did blood magic to bring a Team America World Police marionette to life. Matt Gates looks like Jay Leno finally climaxed in a denim condom. The 90s Duracell man constantly making an O-face. I look like Butthead after he finally scored with a high school chick. He looks like his skull is trying to reject his face. It's perfectly normal to know the age of consent in every state. It's not just offensive to me, it's offensive to my adult son Nestor, as well as my fiance, who I'm very much in like with. I have lots of people who will support me within Congress. Okay, I have a lot of Congress people who will come forward and say good things about me, like Marjorie Taylor Greene and others uh, who will say good things about me. I, I can prove it right. I got a lot of people who will say good things about me. I'll just shoot right now. Okay, uh, 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 I'm going to find someone to say something good about me. I'm going to find something. Really nice someone said about me. I don't care how far I have to dig for it. Here we go, a report card. Uh, Matt does adequate work. I'm with Derby Racer number one. That's better than number two. Stole this from someone, he's a nerd. Matt would do a lot better if he spent less time creeping around the girls locker room. He doesn't even have a kid here. See, I would do good. Trophy, it's not mine. Honorary diploma, you can just buy these. Oh, elementary school yearbook. Lots of nice things in here. Uh, not much in the way of autographs. Um, Matt, you are a beacon in this school and I think you are going places far as long as you stop being so creepy towards the little girls. Sign, mom, see? Finally, something nice someone said about me. So, you can all just stop making fun of me and saying things like, you know, I look like a child molester who's too cheap to shell out the candy, or I look like the Joker when he's not trying to look like the Joker. Like, we could just stop with those things. It's just mean. Okay, if you'll excuse me, I have to get back to what I was doing today, making sure I'm legally 200 yards away from the high school. From a bunker in beautiful Parkchester, the Bronx, it's electoral dysfunction. Now, here's your host, Tom Brennan. Hey everyone, welcome back to Electoral Dysfunction, the show where comedians and experts debate the news leak from the safety of their quarantine. I'm your host, Tom Brennan. Thank you for being with us. We're back. We took a break. Long story, but we're back uh, with semi-regular shows. Semi-regular, much like irregular, my gene size. Uh, oh, that was horrible. Um, rough week for justice, rough week for America, as they all seem to be these days. Man, I gotta tell you, the New York Knicks got better defense than Derek Chauvin. Boom! Uh, episode title secured. Uh, 
we're um we got a packed show today so much so that we actually cut a segment for a bonus episode uh so be on the lookout for that soon uh i want to say a quick thank you to our pal andrew kimler aka the honorable matt gates uh for stopping by and with that um uh ned porn it's been so long since i've said this star wet me to the panel and join me in welcoming this week's panel. Uh, first up, uh, attorney, writer, thinker. Follow her on all forms of social media at, at, at Audrey Lodemercy. And you can catch her this coming Monday uh, on BBC uh, covering the Derek Chauvin trial. Mediva Deddy's back. Hey, Mediva, how are you? Doing well, Tom. Thanks for having me. Welcome back. Uh, <laughs> next up, coming to us from San Antonio, Texas, uh, if I'm allowed to say that, which I should have checked before the show. I don't know if they're a deep cover. Uh, it's fine. <laughs> Pride of the United States Army, funniest, uh, the, certainly the funniest soldier of them all, G.I. Jew himself. Uh, you can find his comic coming up, his uh, comic book debut, I believe, coming up in the uh, anthology True War Stories from Z2 Publishing, uh, published by our old pal Alex DeCampi, or edited by our old pal Alex DeCampi. Benari Poulton's back. Hey, Benari, how are you? Very good. And of course, uh, none of my opinions uh, are in any way reflective of the United States Army or the U.S. government or coalition partners or anything like that. They're solely my own. So, All right. You know. I was going to pin this on you and Micronesia, <laughs> nope. but here we go. <laughs> Nope. Uh, <laughs> next up, coming to us from the great city of Philadelphia, uh, very funny comedian, host of the uh, Crime and Cookies channel on Twitch, Andrea Duffy's here. Hey, Andrea, how are you? So happy to be back. So excited. Uh, it's welcome. We're happy to have you. <laughs> uh, and of course, uh, and I'm going to compliment him this time around, uh, <laughs> Bloomberg Opinion Zone. Check his latest column. It's fantastic uh, about... Uh, the, the history of uh, the police uh, harassing black veterans in this country. Robert George is back on the show. Robert, how are you, my friend? I'm doing well, Tom. Th thank you. Um, thank you so much. Uh, we, 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 can, we, we can talk about that since I have a feeling this may come up in the context of the discussion. But I just want to did want to make a point out that um, we might do a segment at some point of, you know, where in the world um, is Benari Poulton? Um, because I think this is the fourth or fifth um, time that he's been on over the last year, where he's been in a different location each time. I think yeah. he's. I, if I, if memory serves me correctly, I think he's been. I think he's been in. He's been in in Boston. His native Boston. I think he's been in. New, he's been in. New, he's definitely been in New York. Uh, he's been in. He's been in. Uh, he's been in California. He was in Virginia. Actually, Down in Virginia. Uh, I believe the night and, of the uh, first uh, of the of the first presidential debate or one of the presidential debates. I believe. Exactly. And uh, and and now he's in. And now he's. And now he's in Texas, you know. So he's like uh, he's hitting all the uh, bright. He needs. To, I think he needs to get it to some like just like plain, really like really purple places because he's been. He's just basically been going for like deep blue and deep red. I think he needs to go to like a, a, a like a purple spot. <laughs> We're really swinging the pendulum to extremes. Every time. <laughs> the deep red city of San Antonio. <laughs> oh, wow. um, but, uh, uh, but, uh, anyway, we'll jump into the news of the week. So. Uh, We'll start off, uh, as I said before the show, with, with sadly, the, the lightest story of the week. Uh, um, this week, uh, the FDA uh, and CDC both uh, uh, encouraged a pause on the Johnson & Johnson vaccine nationwide. Now, I read into this that it is paused. However, uh, you know, individual doctors can still administer uh, it you know, in their, in their uh, practices with patients of theirs with, with consultation. Uh, this was in response to six cases of blood clots uh, out of 7 million doses. 
Uh, and I think what's, what's important to note here, our pal Michael Udell, uh, formerly of, of Drexel University, now heading out west to Arizona, good for him, uh, talked about this on Twitter, uh, from a public health standpoint, that this move, as he put it, was probably, you know, like the best of bad options, which is to say their, their options were announced that we have found this, this trend of blood clots, the common thread is everyone, uh, you know, all, all six people received the Johnson & Johnson vaccine, and the solutions were either uh, ignore it, uh, <laughs> um, put out a, a slightly less cautious uh, pause, you know, pause some places, not others, or just do a pause and do an investigation. Well, all uh, the people were also women, weren't they? Yes. There were women they between were the ages of 18 and what, 45? Yes. Or something, yeah. Which is interesting <laughs> because the incidence of blood clots is way higher in birth control than in that <laughs> vaccine. Uh, and we're just expected to live with those risks. And well, we you know, thank you I'm, for your service. Yeah, but men, we appreciate that sacrifice. Is right. that helpful? Right. Benari, does it help when people the... say thank you for your service and then do nothing with it? Benari does it. It doesn't. <laughs> it's, uh, it's, no, and, Andrea, it's, it's just a fact of life. <laughs> Andrea, I'm really, I'm, I'm really glad that you, I'm really glad that you, um, you, know, you, you um, brought that point out because. Uh, number one, as you said, it, it does kind of illustrate what is considered uh, acceptable in terms of just pure women's health uh, outcomes um, versus the, the general the, gen the general public. Um, but uh, the, the other side of this is, I mean, you know, to to the point that Mike um, Udell was trying to say, well, either this is a bunch of bad options, or this this is trying to figure out what the best option of not so great options um, might might be. Um, it would not have, it, it, well, first of all, if, if something is literally one in a million, you, you have to wonder whether it's, if it raises, it rises to the level of risk that um, you want to, um, you know, um, cancel its outlays. I mean, I think that's point number one. Mm -hmm. But, but more, more significantly, if, if it's, if it's, you know, if it's six women out of, you know, seven million shots, you could give a, a mild advisory and say, um, we recommend that um, women between the ages of 18 and 45 not take the, the Johnson the, the Johnson and Johnson, you know, go with you know, Pfizer, Pfizer or Moderna. I mean, that would have been that would have been that that would have been another that would have been another um, option option as well. Um, my my concern was that, you know, g given that what we already know is 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 still a significant level of vaccine hesitancy amongst a variety of groups. You know, not just not just right wingers um, in red states and so forth. Um, I, I, I'm just my, my concern is that uh, it it puts a, another a it puts such an, another level of um, unnecessary, in my point of view, um, fear into the into 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 the public um, at a point where where some of it had been re receding because of the the the, uh, the 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 good news testimonials from people who had been who had, been, who had gotten vaccinated. Although I will say. One thing that is refreshing about this in a, in a weird way is this is what science and transparency looks like. You know, when, when we've come out of, okay, are we, are we gaming the numbers? Are we hiding numbers? You know, there's a lot of distrust because for, you know, the last year or so, we haven't trusted the numbers because the people in charge haven't been giving us 
necessarily the right numbers. And now we have a system in place where the administration has promised transparency, the, has handed things over to the scientific community and said, look, science is in charge. And what they say goes, we don't care about the optics of it. And this is the problem with science is, you know, something new popped up and yes, it's incredible, you know, six out of six million cases that, that, that usually doesn't even make the sample size. So the fact that they stopped it does give us pause, but it also kind of gives me a little bit of faith of how seriously they are taking this, uh, the administration of vaccines and the rollout of vaccines when they are taking just six cases out of six million this seriously. It gives me a little bit more faith in the entire process as a whole that, okay, people are paying attention. They're really serious about making sure that this is as safe as possible. And that when something that they've never seen pops up, they address it to the best of their ability to make it as, you know, almost a hundred percent safe. Yeah. I feel like I basically sort of like split the difference between those. Like when I heard, I was thinking good, but also dang it. Uh, like, I am glad that they're thinking let's pause this because like, okay, yeah, like they, they're taking this seriously, they're going over everything. I'm inclined to trust people who have like expertise in an area that I don't. And so if the people with expertise saying let's like hit pause, okay, cool, fine. But also I'm just like, ah, oh, this is going to be so much ammo for the anti-vaxxer people, mm -hmm. like the people who already had like some sort of hesitancy, like I <laughs> I know someone, God bless her, but she's literally told me she's like waiting on a sign from God for whether or not to get the vaccine. And so when this comes out, I was like, God damn it. <laughs> she's going to think that's the sign and she's not going to do it. <laughs> One would hope that sign from God would have been the numbers of cases going down. Yeah. <laughs> um, <clears throat> but, but here we are. So it's a tough, and I, Andrea, Andrea, please go ahead and then I'll. I, my, my thoughts. <laughs> I was also thinking along the same lines with um, the anti-vaxxers and how it would kind of affect how that information travels along those groups. And I wonder if having the CDC and scientists make a big deal out of it, put it in the public, say, you know, okay, we're pausing, we're studying. It, it might kind of avoid that undercurrent of YouTubers going, why is no one talking about this? <laughs> and then the only expert opinion you have is someone trotted out to say, well, a sample size and a one in a million and it's very small and blah, 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 statistics. And it doesn't have the same like emotional impact. So mm, I, I don't know. I'm trying to be optimistic about it because I just want the vaccines to work and us all to go back to normal. Yeah. And I, and I think one, one important thing to out of that is that, you know, bef and this is, these were the, some of the, they're still polling to come out off of this week. But up before this week, like, you know, we saw a incredible demand for this vaccine. And that, you know, it's sort of like, uh, uh, again, a conversation with our friend Mikey Dell. Uh, it could be put like maybe most of the people against it lean a certain way politically. But even not, not everyone who leans that way politically is against it. Like we saw a pretty strong demand. And I think, you know, uh, a, a, a thing that... Uh, I, I hate to have to admit is like, I will give some credit to the fact that even some of your folks like Ted Cruz and Lindsey Graham, like went out and got the vaccine and said like, you should get vaccinated. Uh, <clears throat> what we're they're seeing- They're anti-dying more than they're anti-science. Exactly, yeah. <laughs> they're pro-science for them. Wasn't it Glenn Beck who said, well, you know, I went out and, you know, I went out and gotten vaccinated and you too, and you, you should get vaccinated too, you know, just so Anthony Fauci will stop, will stop, will shut up about uh, wearing a mask outside. I mean, it was like, 
okay, whatever. Okay, Fine. Use your email for good. Whatever you want. need to tell yourself. Yeah. Yeah. You know, even some of these reports of there being of the blue states sort of outpacing red states in terms of vaccines has had to do more with the infrastructure and vaccine accessibility than a lack of demand. But the lack of demand is there. And like the problem with the, you know, uh, and I want to be careful with language here. Like, you know, I will say anti-vax movement. And that in that case, I'm referring to people who I believe have bad faith reasons to oppose vaccines, not groups that may have a a historic reasonable distrust of the medical establishment. Mm -hmm. But in those groups, like anything that gives them oxygen, like they, like they're, they're masters of turning, you know, like turning the molehill into a mountain for lack of a better word. And yeah, I likewise was like, great, here it comes. And it had to be the vaccine from the company with the name everyone trusted, which is crazy because when you stop and think about it, like, I've never been to any of these companies, but I was like, oh, John, even I, you know, follow for American brandy. I was like, Johnson & Johnson, I mean, they made the shampoo that wouldn't let me cry. Right. Of course their vaccine's good. <laughs> the no tears people. <laughs> yeah, why would they lie? <laughs> I mean, did they also make baby powder that was like super bad for babies? So. I mean, everything's super well, that, bad Now that was true. Think the, about yeah. it. Yeah. The, the, the were, the, the, in fact, there were a few people uh, when, when the Johnson & Johnson um, vaccine actually got the got the rollout. There were people saying, "Are we are we completely forgetting that it was?" It, it, I mean, it wasn't like five or ten years ago. It was just a, like a like a year or two ago that we we um, we had this issue with uh, Johnson and Johnson and and baby powder. So I mean, you know, maybe we should be a little bit nervous. But you know, <laughs> I think uh, yeah, no, like because I, I, mean, I flew in the opposite direction of then being like, you know, after initially being like, "Well, I trust that name." Then realize I was like, what name don't I know? I don't know Moderna. So I got no reason to think that they're evil. Let's do that. <laughs> well, even better, Pfizer. <laughs> Pfizer, what do I know about Pfizer? It gives me a boner. It has to be good. You know? <laughs> yeah. Thank you, Robert. But to be fair video. to Johnson & Johnson, they're named <laughs> after two boners, basically. Well, that's, that's, that's true. Good point. That's true. High five well there, Benari. Thank you. <laughs> Benari, I think you had a, an actual point to make before we before we went to boner town. Before the boner <laughs> I mean, look, it always ends up in boner town, unfortunately. And <laughs> that's America. This is America. And... The, I think this really kind of speaks to the problem that we've had is the biggest issue we're facing right now is the optics of it, right? The science overall is safe. The, 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 the process is still working. They were able to put a pause on Johnson & Johnson, but make, you know, but, but make up the shortfall with Moderna and Pfizer vaccine appointments. And so a lot of like what we're seeing is like, this is how a process works. And this yeah. is how, this is how you, you uh, adjust to problems that pop up and keep things running smoothly as possible. And the biggest problem is that we have such an, uh, uh, an, an almost insurmountable mountain to overcome when it comes to the disinformation that was put out there to begin with. That we, yeah. we, we shouldn't even be in this situation. It's unfortunate that we are, that like every normal thing becomes some sort of political but fight. And, and, and that's the reality, but, but it's also, but we also have to understand of like, that this is a normal thing. You have a rollout this big in a country this size talking about the number of people, you know, we're going to hit this. And if this is the thing that it is, which overall, again, you know, th they can't be taking this more seriously. And yeah. so, yeah. But, but, um, but Benari, the only the only concern that the only concern that I have, and this this is a this is a point that we've we've discussed on the show, um, dis discussed on the show before. Um, the, uh, you know you know that old saying, you know, um, if you're a, uh, if you're a hammer, um, everything is a nail. Um, uh, 
public, ex public health experts, um, particularly those in the epidemiology field, um, they are, you know, uh, narrow focused on, you know, and as they should be, on, you know, getting like getting a pandemic under yeah. control and figuring out different ways to make sure that the pandemic gets under control. Um, one of the things I th that they have fallen short on, I believe, is uh, while they understand what should be considered best practices in terms of trying to uh, engage the public on their physical health, um, they're not so good in, in assessing um, messages that are going to impact individuals on a psychological uh, on a psychological level, and and I say that you know going back you know to the beginning of the pandemic when they when they basically undersold the um, adoption of adoption of masks because they were afraid oh the public right. is going to run out and everybody's going to get masks mm -hmm. and uh, the um, and nurses and doctors and so forth they're not they're not going to have they're not going to have enough and as a result, a result that cost us um, a month to six weeks of either a, of a people being um, slow to adopt masks and also then um, the disinformation to start um, to start but, but I uh, think we do need to be clear I think we do need to be clear that yes we're, we are aware that the messaging isn't the scientific community's um, focus and the people who were in charge of the messaging changed three, three yeah, months ago my point yeah but my point but my, my, my follow-up my, my follow-up point is now that um, while they want to um, be uh, as uh, they want to be transparent, as you said, in, in terms of uh, the, the clotting, um, the clotting issue. Uh, again, I think they are also uh, underestimating what the um, what the ripple effect of, of, the, of that might be to the um, to the public, and and so not only causing them to um, be wary of uh, of of Johnson and Johnson, but um, to increase, uh, 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 to, you know, to create an atmosphere for further skepticism on vaccines in general. So that that's what that's what that's the, that's where I that's where I feel that some of the public health um, experts uh, kind of kind of fall down on the field and not uh, anticipating what what the, what the psychological um, impact on to, to the public that some of their pronouncements might have. I was struck by that too, and I was also struck by the way that the information was rolled out. Like it was rolled out very clinically, <clears throat> and I, some of this information may have been in there, but it didn't. You know, certainly, I didn't feel the emotional weight of this. You know, I think it would have been important to you know deliver it. You know, maybe like have it be delivered in a much like don't worry. You know, I think the most important thing that I've learned in my research of it is like if you're three weeks out from your Johnson and Johnson shot and you haven't seen any of these symptoms, you're probably fine. Because I'm sure there are a lot of Johnson people who got Johnson and Johnson shots maybe a month ago or or more than that who are like, no, what's going to happen? Should I be checking this? Like, communicate out that information. I agree. And I'm curious, uh, <clears throat> particularly given that so far it has only presented itself in in, in women. Uh, Andrea and Mediva, I'm, I'm curious, you know, uh, to talk a little bit more about that from that perspective too. Just that that notion of like, not only are we seeing a condition, but it is so far, you know. Uh, so far, so far, Robert and Benari and I wouldn't have to worry about it if we got the Johnson and Johnson. How does that? How does that feel? We we alluded a little bit to it earlier, but I, I think it's worth another quick deep, deep dive in there. Yeah, I mean it's sort of typical for uh, any 
health consequences for women to be sort of ignored um, or like dismissed entirely or just like not really focusing on what women's bodily needs may be in like all sorts of respects, like whether it's testing women for like uh, how they respond to vaccine trial or whether it's uh, diseases that primarily affect women or if it's like letting women make uh, decisions about their own reproductive health care. It's like it's just sort of like disregarded generally. And so it is sort of like another instance of that. Like thankfully it's a, it is a super small instance uh, in that, yeah, I think it's like you have a higher likelihood of getting struck by lightning than getting a blood clot from these. But it is still just, uh, you know, this old bag again. Okay, cool. Yeah. 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 At first I'm sitting there thinking like, okay, that's a coincidence. It's the, the shot itself is not sexist. However, the shot itself, as you said, is produced in a system that is not going to look at specificity. So this specific thing that makes it more likely to give women blood clots in a very small population, it was not addressed, not foreseen, not known, not or ignored in clinical trials. So it's it kind of, oh, sorry, didn't mean to no, no, go ahead. I was just rambling to the end. <laughs> um, I was thinking about how, uh, like, I think it's stroke symptoms or heart attack symptoms, like manifest differently in women than men. And I learned that like somewhat recently, like within the past, like two or three years. And I was astounded. And I was just like, oh, like, what if I had these symptoms? And I just didn't know that would have, that that's what it meant. Uh, yeah. Because we just sort of don't really factor in, uh, like how like, women experience, like, health needs and health care, uh, despite women, you know, being like half the population. It's just like, oh yeah, women. So I learned female heart attack. I learned female heart attack symptoms from Rosie O'Donnell because she did a bit about it in one of her stand-up sets. That's and she I had think. a whole anagram for the symptoms. And I have of course forgotten. Um, so it's, <laughs> this comment is useless, but <laughs> it, it's possible to make up an anagram for But again, like you said, the medical industry doesn't teach us. And I've taken lots of CPR classes and first aid classes. They don't teach the female signs of a heart attack and a stroke, and they're not the same. It's, it's uh, also uh, 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 now, the question I had. Uh, you mean you 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 mentioned this um, um, earlier on that um, um, that um, um, birth control birth control uh, ha uh, it, it can um, uh, create. You know, uh, you know, putting aside the vaccine stuff, um, birth control can can cause um, a clot um, a clot issues uh, in in women in women as well. And w one of the things that I would have liked to have heard once they were uh, were announcing this, I mean, I mean, they said, you know, it's it's six. They say it's six people out of seven million, and then they say, you know, it happens to be six women out of out of out of out of, out of seven out of seven million. Um, you know, you know. Do we know if there were, you know, um, you know, cross medication issues? You know, were these, you know, were these women, uh, were these women who who were, you know, who were on birth control, and which means that was was the the clotting actually a factor of birth control, which we already know, and it just happened to be a coincidence that they were also um, they also had had the um, had the J, had the J and J. I mean, it just seems that, that there are so many multifarious factors that are going on here that again, it's 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 so much given the very very. They also haven't pre-screened anyone for this issue prior to this, and now they're going to include this. And so again, this is this is kind of the science process, and it's not that we're uh, 
you know, creating new systemic problems, we're revealing the systemic mm. problems yeah, yeah. with everything. And so it's like, oh yeah, we didn't think to ask if women are gonna have a problem with the other medication that they take, whether it's birth control or, or if they're physiologically different. You know, this is, this is really such a larger issue and it's sort of, you know, as, as, as has yeah. been said, you know, the fact that they don't, they didn't think to include that as part of the clinical trial is less a problem with the vaccine itself and more a problem with how we run our clinical trials and, and who we prioritize when we run our clinical trials. There are even variations. Even within that, uh, speaking of birth control as well, like, I, I forget how late I had learned this, but I've been on birth control for years when I learned, oh, also, if you weigh over X number of pounds, it'll be less effective. I'm just like, okay. <laughs> uh, like, th yeah. thanks for letting us know that. Uh, Plan B doesn't even work if you weigh more than what, 185 or something? Yeah. Yeah. Um, just like, look, good to know. Girls might need Plan B too. Yeah, so. yeah. It's a terrible country. How? <laughs> How? What are we doing? What are we doing here? What know, are we I, doing here? I just wanted to point out that I thought Robert's question was really good, and I'm glad you asked it. And also, I'm a hundred percent certain it will be like ripped out of context and posted on 8chan as like someone's manifesto for birth control control. <laughs> like, well, well, no, you know, no, it's, 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 we need a national registry to know who has this and stop them. Birth control well, is great. We should also be better about how we test and yeah, prefer yeah. birth control. This show is very, like, I want to be clear. Unless it's a, pro birth control. No anti-birth. Yes. <laughs> well, you know, I can't speak for all of our guests. <laughs> Speak for myself in my editorial voice. No, we're all we're all we're, we're, we're all anti-birther here. No, 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 that's not what I meant. That's not <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> all uh, right. Uh, well, no, but it is no, it, no. It, but to your to, to your, your your point though, Tom, um, I, I I'm sure there are conversations in some areas of um, of the um, of the internets um, where people where some people on the conservative side conservative side are saying, well. Uh, you know, the, the, the CDC uh, has basically um, made the precedent that uh, if there are cases of, you know, six out of six million um, where um, a blood, clot, uh, blood clots manifest, um, that's enough to um, uh, pull a, a certain kind of medication off the, uh, off the market. Well, um, if uh, it, it, the numbers are even greater for um, for birth control, so let's pull those off of the um, market as well. I mean, you, be really that, you know that conversation runs on that in 2024. <laughs> you know that's that that conversation. Don't you put that evil out there? Yeah, right. You've rolled 34 up. that right uh, into existence. <laughs> Sorry, All right, just... uh, let's move on. Uh, um, uh, so, other big news of the week. Now, I think an important thing to believe in like when our justice system works the right way uh i believe that every single person deserves a, a chance to defend themselves in court even derek chauvin and i have to say after having watched this trial if anybody deserves the lawyers that he has it's derek chauvin <laughs> <laughs> that is a like whew, uh not the world's greatest defense attorneys the the man he's got He's practically got, ironically, you know, he's practically got black man's lawyers there. I mean, he's, <laughs> oh, uh, we it's, not, we it's not doing so well for this guy here, you know. <laughs> 
we had a jury expert on uh, Crime and Cookies last night, and he said that the defense's last witness, he called it a landmine that blew up other landmines. <laughs> Which and specifically, was that again? Huh? This <laughs> was that specifically? Um, I forget who was the last one because I'm not following it sure. closely enough. Um, he was also that like the about... one doctor that tried to say it wasn't uh, like death because of him, you know, cutting off his air supply? Was that the last? I think so. I think so. I mean, we we basically have. Uh, you, 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 there's been the the um, the prosecution, of course, brought lots and lots of witnesses. The and defense, videos. It's, the and defense of, to defense, it's been it's been a, it's been a lot fewer. But it's basically kind of coming down to like a battle of the. Um, uh, a battle of the United Kingdom because the uh, the uh, the prosecution had this like really great this really great Irish um, um, ex um, expert explaining how um, Chauvin's uh, 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 sitting kneeling on top of um, George Floyd and is it basically saying it didn't matter whether it was his neck or whether it was the back that he, that uh, uh, the, the constriction was so tight that it, it caused his it caused his death and this was a but this was a doctor who who spoke almost like an Irish guy explaining a story you know rather than confusing the jury and the public um, with with, uh, with 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 scientific ease and stuff like that, it, he just made he made it very very right. easy for the uh, the person. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Then they bring in this. I, if I believe they, correctly, the judge had to ask him to put his Guinness out in the hall during. How <laughs> oh. <laughs> this guy get a beer in here? <laughs> that's exactly right. Exactly. Why does he have a table? <laughs> <laughs> and but but the but the, on the flip side, the the the. Um, uh, the defense brings in this. Uh, I, I think he was British. Maybe, maybe he, maybe he was Australian. I don't know. Maybe he was uh, right. New Zealand. Anyway, dumb uh, American he, also reads as British pretty often. Yeah, exactly. And and his and, and 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 he just um, uh, he he just he was he I, I he I don't think um, being serious here for a minute. I I don't think he came across as credible. Um, to the average, you know, to the average person, not 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 just the person on the jury, but to the to uh, to the to, to the uh, to, to the to the public at home, to the public at home as well. And uh, yeah, so I do. I think that's the person that um, that uh, Andrew. I think that's the person your guest was referring to yeah, at, yeah, like at uh, cool. a landmine that blew up other landmines. And I we'll think go back and watch it rather than assume. I think <laughs> that this this also just speaks to such a sort of depressing state of affairs, not just because of the incident itself, but also the prosecution, the, the, the evidence couldn't be more overwhelming. The entire incident is on videotape. Mm -hmm. We can watch it. We have all the firsthand witnesses who all attest to the fact that this is exactly what happened. One guy was even like, I was yelling at the cops to stop because they were killing him. Then you have the chief of police Derek Chauvin's boss saying what he did goes against policy. This is not what we, what this is not what we are trained to do. He he is completely antithetical to what the the, the to good policing. That's <laughs> the police saying this, and then you have the defense and and all of this. It's still a question of and how are they going to find him? You know. So we're right now we're looking. You couldn't have a case that is more perfect for a conviction of of a police who has committed murder. And we're questioning whether or not he's going to be convicted. And, and this really is, you know, I'm, I'm bracing myself. I know we're all bracing ourselves for, for heartbreak and, and disappointment and outrage because this won't be the, this isn't even the first time. We're so used to seeing 
you know, technicalities win the day or, or it doesn't matter that, you know, you were right or you have a moral victory and we just move these guys over and all of whatever the reasons are. And, you know, I think this is where, this is where we're at. And I think we are at a tipping point where regardless of the outcome, there is going to, we, we are at a point where we are, we see the need for systemic reform of the justice system. We see the need to overhaul this system that could even make something like this that should be a cut and dry case, even a question. It kind of makes me think SNL, a little bit, SNL had a I just want to say, it kind of makes me think back to uh, like the weeks before the 2008 presidential election when Barack Obama was sitting on this like huge polling lead and like he had done so well in the debates and like you know, in any election, like the incumbent party presiding over problems with the economy and problems overseas, like would guarantee a Democratic win. And Sarah Palin was ruining everything for John McCain. And every pundit was like, so it's really a jump ball on how this turns out on Tuesday. Yeah. <laughs> like, we don't know. <laughs> and it's Except always Tom, a jump in, ball. In, in, in fairness to Tom, <laughs> Tom, they were they were a little bit nervous about using the phrase jump ball because of the kind of racializing of that with, with, right. with Barack Obama. Uh, but to, to the point, um, the, uh, SNL last week had a had a very good sketch about that, where you've got these uh, these anchors at a local uh, uh, at, a, at a local news station in um, in Minneapolis, and the the two the the the, the two white the, the two white anchors are saying, well, you know, we, we, this powerful case that the prosecution is that this is this is this is clear, it's it's obvious. We 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 saw what happened. This is um, this is this is definitely going to be this is definitely going to be a, a guilty verdict. And the two black anchors said, well, I don't we, we, no, we're not too sure. <laughs> we're, we're not too we're not too sure about that. No, it's not. But I, you know, there was another point I wanted to say here, and um, this is something I noticed in the Chauvin trial and in also the, this, the, this latest, um, uh, the latest awful story in, in Minneapolis, where I really do think there's something in the water in, in terms of the, the, the number of, you know, shootings of, of, of unarmed, unarmed individuals, but, you know, we can talk about that later. Um, that um, the America in the water, I think. Well, is, yeah. well no, but no, but yeah, that's not the question. Like, do you mean Minneapolis water, Minnesota water? Because those water just, pipes all the Please don't start water. a new QAnon fluoride thing. Well, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, but there's, please drink there's, water. Stay hydrated, people. What's the shooting situation in Hawaii? <laughs> there's something that's something that's interesting. He, he, there's something that, that, that kind of popped out to me um, so. in in both um, the, the Chauvin trial uh, and. Um, and also involving involving Dante Wright, um, it's it's very easy to make these issues of well, you know, it, it, it's you know a a um, a black man, um, unarmed black man uh, is uh, killed unnecessarily um, by a um, um, by a white police officer. Or by the police in general, given that you know, f forget about Chauvin. The you've you've also got the other three cops that were there, um, who are all uh, two of, two of whom are um, cops of color. So uh, often it has to do with um, you know of uh, the de a death of a black person by a blue person as opposed to just a white as opposed to a white person. But and so. We become sort of trained to see that particular prism in terms of of the blue versus the black the black community. Um, what I thought was interesting in one of the most some of the most interesting testimony we had 
at the Chauvin trial was when we all learned, and I don't think we knew this before, that um, George Floyd's um, uh, ex-girlfriend ex was white. And so we had this interesting, we had this interesting situation where you know you, we've got a you know a white person testifying testifying about um, uh, the, the 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 large hole that was in her heart because you know her former boyfriend and she was telling explaining to the world what type of a person he was because certainly in the context of the trial, but even before that, we, we heard all the noise about, you know, he had been in prison for this and that, and he'd held up this place, you know, years ago, and he'd been in prison in Texas. And, and so there was a certain kind of an image of, you know, a black man with a criminal back, background. And so he put himself into this situation and then he dies in, in police custody. But we, he's, he's being humanized um, by um, by a um, by a white woman, and that and that shouldn't that sh that shouldn't necessarily matter. But in the in the in the history in the given the history of this United States, it does. And relatedly, you know, we, we find out you know you know Dante Wright, who is black, but he's bi he's biracial, and you know his his father is black, his mother is white, and we had a, we had a, a slightly surprising. Um, image when that story broke last last week, where you know you've got a you've you've got a white woman who now joins into the same tragic club of of like Gwen Carr, you know Eric Garner's mother, and you know the the the, the mothers the, the the mothers of Trayvon Martin and and the mothers of you know uh, uh, Tamir Rice and so forth. These these black, you know, these 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 black women who have had to mourn the death of their of their sons in in police um, in police custody, uh, and now you know there's a, there's a white woman there. So it, it this may open up this this conversation that we've been having into a broader fashion than say you know no it's it, it, we should be we should be angry and frustrated that this is happening um, to um, black men and their mothers and so forth, but oh. We are still a, we are still a United quote United States state, and um, it's it's impacting it's impacting other communities as well. You know, it's it it's not it's not purely black and white. The tragedy has been always black and white, but it's not the it's not quite um, black versus white um, as we've um, as as we've um, come to learn um, for decades, if not centuries. There are a couple of points I want to make in response to that. Um, one is, I think it's, it's clearly absolutely spot on that uh, police violence affects all of us. It affects the people whose lives are lost, it affects their families, it affects their communities, and it definitely affects Black people the most, but it doesn't only affect Black people. Um, but the sort of racialized conception also really impacts how people address it. Um, in my hometown, a white kid was killed by the police like a couple days ago. and. There were like horrible racist responses before it came out that the kid was white. They were like, oh, well, he's a, probably a thug who deserted and blah, 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 blah. And then it was like, it was a white 16 year old and then they had nothing to say anymore. Um, so I just want to raise that one. Um, second thing I want to raise uh, is, Rob, how you mentioned uh, how um, you said George Floyd had like a white ex-girlfriend. I feel like that sort of like goes to Benari's point of, all the different things that should make this case like a clear conviction just like 
we have video, like they caught you in 4K. We have like a thousand witnesses. We have white ladies crying on the stand. We have everything you need. Uh, and we're still like, is it gonna happen? We don't know because justice is, ju like black people have never really been able to access justice in this country yeah. um, in general and especially with regards to right. policing. Um, I will say, yeah. um, I, I learned a lot of stuff from uh, the, the guy we had on last night and he pointed out that, and I know this too from serving on a jury, I don't know if any the rest of you have, but like when you get the instructions, um, first of all, I think this is going to sound weird to say, but the fact that we are thinking that it's a toss up indicates that Chauvin did get the defense that he was due in a seventh amendment or kind of sense in that good you want to make sure all those t's are dotted crossed and i's are dotted so that he doesn't have an appeal so that there's no chance for a mistrial um it's no it's never more important in a case like this but when you it's so strange when you get your instructions as a juror there the judge is very specific like these are the determinations you need to make and you can sit there and say like look he's guilty he did it blah and at the end of the day it's, they're going to have to decide whether the prosecution proved without any reasonable doubt, beyond a shred of reasonable doubt, if he, I don't know, maybe intended to do it based on the charge or whatever. And someone in the jury room is going to get hung up on the word reasonable and someone's going to get hung up on the word knowingly. And it's, we, you get so in the weeds and it's, it, it's a fluke of our justice system that we're not after the truth in a trial. We're after whether... Oh, the it's prosecution has proven it. It's a feature, not a bug. Well, yes. Part, yes. And, and part of that is, you know, the, the great ideological rationale behind it to make us as different from, um, you know, the kangaroo courts or, or as different from how the British Empire ran their trials. And, and so, you know, the, in, the idea of innocent till proven guilty, you know, we've taken to the nth degree, but what we all recognize is not everyone gets that benefit of the doubt in this yes. country. Not yes. everyone gets that style of justice. Yeah. And I think no one case is, is going to solve all this. And no one case is going to change the systemic problems that we are witnessing day in and day out now. And what, what is really happening is it's, it's going to be, it's not going to be on a, a jury or even the judges. It, it's going to be on us as a society. And I think we, we've, mm -hmm. we are the ones who, who have to make that change, have to decide we know what it's like when, when we live without the presence of justice. You know, it's, you know, it's been said in many different ways, but peace, you know, the, the, you know, peace isn't necessarily, uh, you know, the, the, the presence of justice as well. You can have peace and, and an absence of justice. And I think what we're feeling is a very long, for, for numerous people in this country, and it's across the spectrum. And again, this is, we talk about policing, when you have something that's systemically racist, it doesn't matter what color you are, what creed you are, what your background is. If you become part of the police force, you're expected I to adhere. And there it is. There's an expectation of you support the blue. You don't, you know, you don't snitch on your friends. You know, there's so many instances of, um, people leaving the police force, good police officers, because they don't want to do crimes or they don't want to cover up, yeah. you know, the, bad the, policing the, the and they're forced out. Uh, the woman who was found, uh, who I believe won her lawsuit this week because she called out uh, 
an illegal chokehold. Um, and so, and so you have, yeah, so they talk about good cops. It's like yeah. the good cops have to leave. <laughs> they get forced yeah. out. Yeah. One thing I wanted to say to, 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 to Andrea's point, like, and the unfortunate reality is like, like I am, we will go as we sometimes do in this show to some of the stories of the life of the patron saint of the show, Tom Brennan uh, senior, my dad, uh, who, you know, has like, he has told me often about a time he served on a jury where like, he was a hundred percent like there was no way this kid wasn't guilty of whatever the crime was and it wasn't like a violent crime but it was like a robbery or whatever but the prosecution did not do it like the prosecution whiffed big time was my dad's thought and my dad was the lone everyone in that room though was like but he did it right and i was like i know yeah. he did it but are we gonna put this guy to jail in jail for life when the prosecution didn't bother to do its job and like didn't bother to really prove the case uh and it and you know like ideally like that's not such a bad thing like to think that way but you know unfortunately we live in a world where nine times out of ten that jury's like yeah they didn't really prove their case but cops wouldn't arrest him if he was innocent and like. this is this is such a this <clears throat> defendant is so different yeah. than any other defendant and just right like all of this i mean i don't want to underestimate or try to downplay the racialized aspect of justice in america and like getting into the weeds of how these things work um in like juries and burden of proof and stuff if it was any other defendant i think it would be it would feel i guess a little less of a i don't it would feel like a little better to, to talk about like oh well this and that like even when even pat robertson is on tv going put this man underneath well, the jail and go back <laughs> to the right. go back to the beginning of this case like yeah. donald trump never came out for Derek chauvin you know <laughs> like police yeah. unions around the country the one up here in new york the pba which is like maybe the leading force of racism and hatred in the tri-state region you know they were like this guy should be in jail <laughs> like, yeah. i just uh, yeah. i'm curious i'm curious and and and, and Medeva, i want to you know I, I have a question that i want to ask you from a, from a legal background but then uh you will also please transition to the point that you were uh that i interrupted you uh just now but i'm curious i was looking at this case and thinking like you know putting myself in the mind of derek chauvin's defense attorneys which first of all you know i don't oppose anyone getting paid like knock yourselves out <laughs> but you know i thought like i feel like the smarter case for them to do would have been like, yeah, he should, he should never be a cop again, but we can't prove that you can't, no one can prove that he killed him and that it wasn't, you know, uh, like just, you know, a, a coincidence. Like instead, I feel like they tried to go and like, no, this guy was and like, tried to relitigate his personality, uh, George Floyd's personality versus Derek Chauvin's personality. And it, it seems Which is the like, old playbook, by the way. Yeah. I mean, this yeah. is, this oh. is the, the usual, like by the numbers, you know, discredit. Yeah. I'm curious, as a lawyer, your feelings on that, uh, and and on 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 you know like on their on 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 how their side handled it. Yeah, I mean, as as an attorney and as a black attorney, it was like disgusting what the defense was doing. Um, I think that they did do a little bit of the oh, you can't prove it's this that killed him, which is ridiculous. But the way they did that was through like maligning George Floyd as a person. Like, oh, you don't know that this was that that killed him because he was a drug addict and because. <laughs> He was this like person who didn't take care of himself, and so he had like, uh, like I don't know, high blood pressure or something. And he did this and he did that. 
And comorbidities, as we've as we've now come to learn in the pandemic. Yes, world. Yes, he, America. Exactly. He had, he had a country black, with he, low blood pressure. America. He had, he had he had black he had black people's comorbidities of uh, high blood pressure, and uh, he 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 wasn't obese, but you know all those things that yeah. that that. that, that he was that, saying that, like, the carbon, the, like I didn't kill him. He died because he was black, not because I killed him. Yeah, so. or the, the carbon monoxide poisoning from the tailpipe oh was my the God. Worst, right. because because then that opened up like, well, who put him next to the tailpipe? Yeah, I'm sorry. Like he just ended up next to a tailpipe. Then yeah, yeah. And it's just completely ridiculous. Uh, And at the end of the day, he was caught on camera murdering this man, and he could have pled guilty or pled to a lesser charge or accepted a deal, and he didn't. May I submit to the court the movie um, Hollow Man? You can't prove that an invisible maniac didn't kill this man during. (laughs) I would. I would need to confirm whether this is true or not. I'm not quite remembering it fully off the top of my head. Um, But I think he actually was inclined to accept a plea for a lesser charge initially, and then I think it was uh, whoever the attorney general at that time, whether it was Jeff Sessions, but probably Bill Barr, was like, nah. Uh, like yeah. he actually rejected the plea. Yes. Wow. I got enough problems. <laughs> okay. Well, because it's, well, no, because it's harder to prove the, the absolute right. uh, intent. So, well, you know, so but some, this isn't, this isn't a federal, this isn't a federal trial though. So no. it wouldn't have, it wouldn't right, have, would um, they have jurisdiction. Bar would not have, um, Bar would not have gotten involved, um, would not so have gotten involved in that. Would it have been the state attorney general? Or yeah, no, but the, the state was, like was, was the federal, state though. Like, maybe it was just like the plea that was rejected was like maybe it was like a U.S. attorney's office was considering it and then it was a no, and maybe they pursued it in state court then. Oh, um, um, yeah, yeah. I, I would need to confirm. I don't remember all the facts. The state attorney general, I mean, the state attorney general, um, is uh, is I mean, is, is, is a black democrat, is uh, Keith, is Keith Ellison. But, but what so, we are talking, but what we are talking about though is a lot of times in these trials, the charges are so. We can talk about trumped up charges and things like that as well. Um, sometimes the, the the charges are so difficult to prove beyond a shadow of a doubt that a lot of uh, police officers, you know, they 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 walk away because it's hard to prove that they intended to do this. You have a lot of you know accidental manslaughter. Um, this is the case now with oh I mistook. And we see this this excuse was used a lot. I mistook the the taser uh, for for uh, mistook my gun for a taser. Which, by the way, you shouldn't be a cop then if you don't have a difference exactly. between a taser and your gun. And and so now what we're seeing is a lot of the excuses are kind of falling by the wayside. The the normal excuses that they used or the ways in which they litigated this. But the other big thing is qualified immunity. You know, this is the the police union is probably one of the strongest in the country. And they, you know, they've got, they're, they're not going to give up their qualified immunity without a fight. Um, and, and police officers aren't, aren't going to do that. And so when we look at this too, we also have to evaluate who by default are we teaching them to view as, as natural threats. And a lot of the violence towards the black community is because they are not seen as members of the community who the police are there to protect and serve. They, you know, members of the black community are often seen as the people that threaten the community. And this is wrong and this is part of the problem. And this is what needs to be changed. This is, this is you know, w- once we start having police officers who go back to protecting and serving, who live in the community, who know the community, are, are part of the community, this is the way we get the, the police and the community back on track. You, you know, this, this may is, be a this little is, cynical. This... Uh, yeah, this may be a little cynical of me, but... 
what <laughs> I'm like I'm not even uh I agree with them with a lot of what you were saying right now but like but I'm not convinced that uh police that live in the community actually does help things I like I like her I've heard that theory before that it would but like folks like looked at the data and it was like not really uh because cops are going to cop at the end of the day uh sure. yeah it doesn't actually like matter if they knew you or not um you're absolutely right though in terms of some people uh police will view as oh you are like a wealthy white person, I am responsible for protecting you and your property. And it's like, oh, you are a poor black person, like, I am responsible for protecting people and things from you. And like, I view you as a threat, like, I protect myself even like from you rather than trying to serve and protect you. Like, I think that's spot on. And it's something that really has sort of run through the core of policing. And uh, you mentioned qualified immunity. It's so, so important both that we reduce community interactions with police in the first place so it doesn't get to that point, but then if slash when it does reach that point, there need to be accountability mechanisms. Because right now there's, you have like, like ridiculous sort of standards where cops are getting away with murder all the time. Like we talked about the trumped up charges and like how it's so hard to meet some things, but it's so hard to meet until it isn't. Like for like <laughs> anyone else, they're like, oh yeah, like slap, like throw the book at him, like charge him with the highest thing. Even if we don't get the highest thing, they're poor and we'll just like, you know, not be trying to like pay all the money or spend all the time away from their family and they'll cop to a, the lesser charge like immediately. Uh, but for a cop, they're like, I don't know how I could possibly prove this. It's really just too challenging, especially when it's like a prosecutor who's going to be like working with the cops on other cases. Right. right. Uh, yeah, I don't so want to throw out my twenty other cases that he's uh, mm -hmm. that he's yeah. a witness. Precisely. <laughs> well, yeah. and I'd say like I think one thing that gives me you know like I don't want to say hope, but like I think the fact that this is a trial at all to me is you know like juries exactly as you said like a like by the actual any jury that takes this job responsibly like who knows what they have to evaluate this versus versus the rest of us and also this is america <laughs> so there's only so much faith i'll put in a group of my fellow citizens but you know like the fact that this went to trial the fact that this is a case like traditionally exactly you said prosecutors either are reluctant or perhaps intimidated out of going after a police officer clearly not in this case <laughs> yeah he just get fired and then reassigned somewhere else the next year yeah <laughs> Yeah, and you know, we should note that uh, while, you know, this one was caught on camera, so like everybody saw it and it was especially egregious because it went on for so long, this wasn't the first time that Derek Chauvin kneeled on someone's neck and it wasn't the first time that people were struggling against him and telling him that they couldn't breathe. It was like the fifth time or something. And there have been formal complaints filed against him before and the cops didn't do anything. It's only now that there is this really obvious video that was circulated around the whole world rapidly. And when we're already sort of in a moment where people are paying more attention and trying to push for this change, that the cops are like, oh, okay, maybe we have to do something about this. Maybe it's in our interest as cops to distance ourselves from a bit and say, I don't know where he learned that from. <laughs> we didn't teach him that. Also, the, the idea of... Well, I was just gonna say, the idea of cops as de facto executioners has to stop as well. Yeah. Yeah. Because yeah. let's be clear, guilty people in an arrest situation shouldn't be killed either if, if you can avoid it. And, and when the go-to is that, well, they were criminals, they deserve to die. Most of these things that, that, that the so-called criminals or the alleged criminals have been murdered over are not, not crimes for which you deserve a death sentence. Right. And so 
this, you know, there's an entire way of thinking that we have. And this goes back again to the, there's such an adversarial relationship between the police and the, the, the community at this point that there needs to be an overhaul in, in that. And going going back to, uh, I knew I'd, there was something I meant to mention earlier on. We, we, you know, we were talking about, uh, I think it was Madiba was, was talking about, uh, you know, a, uh, a, a white kid that gets shot and people were just like assuming, you know, assu assuming that it was a, assuming that it was a black kid and they kind of went into, you know, the, you know, the, the, the classic, oh, what did he do? Was he, was he a thug? Was he this or that? And then suddenly when you find out it's a 16 year old white kid, you know, the, the, the language, the, the language start, the language starts changing. Um, there are there are a handful of people on the right. Uh, there's one particular. There's a guy who tweets named Matt Walsh, um, not Matt Welch, but Matt Walsh, um, who he's got like five hundred thousand uh, five hundred thousand followers, uh, and he t tweets out these intentionally provocative um, uh, points um, uh, along the you know, along the lines of you know he was. He was actually happy uh, about um, uh, instead of getting instead of getting on, getting on the, the talking points that a lot of people were um, following when the when the Georgia voting bill um, passed. He said he said, well, you know, it's a it's it's a good it's a good thing that it's 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 it, this bill makes it harder to vote because we need to start we, we need to start weeding out those people that uh, that don't know what's going on in terms of uh, in in terms of politics. So, but he also said, and he said this. He's also said this. He's also said this um, um, before um, that uh, the, there was another shooting. It might have been the one out in might have been one out in California or or, or in Oregon. So hard um, to keep track. Yeah, no, man. Well, no, but, but wait, a, all states but, that Benari's been to. But a, but a, but a white, what you know, a white, a, a white person, a, a a white person was killed by the a, a white person was killed by the cops, and he said, well, you know, this is this is going to be one of this is going to be one of those this is this is going to be another one of those stories that uh, you're not going to hear about because if you look at the if you look at the numbers, uh, you know, over the over the years, uh, X number of um, you know twice as many. Twice as many white people um, are uh, are killed by police in a given year than, than than black people are. Now that's a that's a ridiculous uh, stat anyway, yeah. given how many white people there are in the country versus how many black people there are in the country. But putting that uh, putting that aside, now, white people that, do have a long history of stealing things from uh, black people. <laughs> but as a, but putting but putting this aside. And 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 this guy Walsh is not the only person that has has said this. The, the, the idea the, the idea that they're, that they're trying to suggest is, well, you know, the black community and the media just you know drum these people drum this things up this stuff up because a black person got killed. You know, the as I as I tweeted to somebody in response to this, you know, so in a sense, what you're trying to say is that you know. Um, um, you want black folks to do your job too. You know, the, <laughs> the issue should be, you know, are these, are, 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 these, are these deaths reasonable given the incident that's going on, regardless of the, the, the regardless of the race, um, of the race of the, of the, of the individual. You know, I'm actually, I'm, I'm actually holding back from making a judgment on the shooting that happened in, that happened in Chicago 
because it's it's a little bit different than uh, it's a little bit different than some of these others because it seems at a certain point the this 13 year old kid did have a gun now there's this question as to in the time frame now, at what point he dropped it and at what point the, the, the cop shot but th there's there's a there's a there's a discussion that, that can be made there the, but in so many of these cases it's either an individual that clearly did not clearly did not have a gun or in speaking of minneapolis philando castile stopped he tells the police officer i have a concealed carry license i have a gun in the car i have a gun in the car i'm informing you of this boom boom right, you know right. he's, de he's 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 dead the, the point is there was an awful incident in um i believe it was in arizona it might have been new mexico uh, uh shaver is the, is the person's name a a white guy who in is in who's in a hotel who's in a hotel and he's showing off a rifle that he's got in his room the cops the cops are called and this and this cop in a sense terrorizes this this guy forces him onto on his knees tells him to keep his to, to keep his hands up crawl on his crawl on his knees the guy's pants are starting to fall down he tries to pull up his pants and he gets and he gets killed and this is, happens to it this was a white but this is a white i happened to a white person uh the the question is why don't these episodes um become more public publicized and it's not just because all oh, the media is you know is um, doing the black um, community's job for them the question is why isn't this more of a concern within the within the broader um because um, people might community. do something to the cops if if they were killing well, white yeah, people to that point the only we, we've had as i said we've had several at least five episodes of cops of of, of, of cops shooting unarmed um people uh, in the Minneapolis uh, area yeah. in the in the last um five or six five or six years the one case where a with a with a with a with a, with a cop was found guilty was, was a black cop. The <laughs> cop was black, and yep. it was a white woman. Oh, yep. an Australian, yep. Australian, yep. Australian. Yeah, Australian. I remember that. I don't count Australians as uh, as, as, <laughs> as people. people. Oh no, no, Australians. <laughs> Australians. Not only are, are Australians white, they're white. white. Look, hang on, Australians are criminals by nature. I'm yeah, sure. Uh, I'm sure. Uh, that they I, I, think, like, I think a thing you see after, you know, particularly after mass shooting stories, are these stories of, you know, like the, these sort of point by point comparisons of these white mass shooters who get arrested peacefully uh, versus black people who nine times like, not Burger King, either. nothing. Dylan uh, <laughs> just got a meal. Or cops know, raise or cops raise money to get them their bail. I mean, well, a, that yeah. specific <laughs> that specific case uh, aside, like I will say, like you know, I think you see a lot. I've seen blowback from people that's like that's like, what are you saying? Like they should have shot that guy to death. I'm like, no, that is. I'm saying that is exactly how they should arrest someone every time. Like, like if you take can them bring alive. in a mass shooter, you can bring in, you can bring in like, this person yeah. with a broken and, tail. And the question or is you like, can bring what? in this like <laughs> child or whatever. Yeah, like, and I think sure the question child... that becomes like, what is happening? I think there, you know. As, I, I almost like I've stopped even getting into the like good cop conversation because I'm sure there are plenty of good cops, but like the system, there's something happening there that's saying like that's that's saying take them alive if you got time, <laughs> like, <laughs> and that is a really like and that's a disturb if you know and what frustrates me so much about it like first of all as a moral human being like that's a terrible thing, 
but I think a thing that uh, you know my late uncle also oft invoked on this show used to say a lot of, which is you know like he he uh, we get. I'm from an Irish Catholic family from the Philadelphia area. Some of them, some of them aren't always to the left of things like I am. Uh, my uncle, who was a monk, was very much to the left, and he would say, "You should, you know, it's like racism." He talked about racism and hatred. It's like it's all bad because it's morally abhorrent. It's like, but also remember this: when they're done with them, they'll come for you. Like you're not like we're all on the list. Hatred doesn't say like, "All right, done." Like it's you know. Uh, and, I think they and, wrote a poem about that. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah, but I'm from an Irish Catholic family, so we just give you the cliff notes of it. It's like, yeah, they didn't read it. Uh, what haven't they written a poem about? I mean, you know, we're talking yeah, about Irish at this here. Point. I, mean. um, I think, uh, and tragically, all this happens against the, the backdrop of, of even more streams of violence, and, and sadly, this will be a conversation that goes on and on and on. Uh, and uh, hopefully... But we have solved it. Yeah, well, hopefully... <laughs> we right here. Hopefully, hopefully we don't see more reasons for anger uh, this coming week uh, as, as the trial wraps up. Uh, with that, we're going to call it a week. This is a wonderful conversation. Thank you so much, panel. Uh, thank you, Mediva. Denny, uh, where can folks find you next to hear more of your, your brilliant thoughts? <laughs> uh, you can follow me on Twitter. Uh, the username is Audrey Lauder Marcy. That's A-U-D-R-E-L-A-W-D, Marcy. Uh, and like Tom mentioned at the beginning, you can also see me on Monday at BBC. If you're up Monday morning, it'll, I'll be on at like 9.20. <laughs> All right. Uh, and I'd like to note, everything I say sounds patronizing and condescending. I do think your thoughts are brilliant. <laughs> it's a well, default voice at this point. Uh, Andrea Duffy, thank you for joining us. Uh, where can folks find you next or find you online? To I am on every social media at Andrea on the air, but I would love if you would follow my Twitch channel, Crime and Cookie. We talk about true crime twice a week, Tuesdays and Fridays. And um, you can, if you follow, you'll get an alert when we are live. Excellent. Thank you. Benari, same question for you. <laughs> uh, on the social medias, at Benari Lee, B-E-N-A-R-I-L-E-E. -E -E, and uh, look for my story in the uh, anthology, comic book anthology, True War Stories from Z2 Comics. And find him wherever we go to war next. Robert George, where can folks find you online? Uh, you can find me uh, on Twitter, uh, as many folks note, uh, uh, terrorizing folks with puns, but also uh, giving trenchant uh, political observations. Uh, that's at Rob George um, on the Twitters, um, also on the uh, Instagrams. It's uh, Rob George, uh, Rob George 29, because that's what age I am eternally. Uh, and uh, as, uh, as, as Tom very nicely pointed out at the top of the show, uh, you can um, also find me at Bloomberg Opinion. That's at B, at B Opinion. Um, my latest uh, column uh, is the one that Tom referred to, where I contrast what happened with um, um, Lieutenant uh, Karen Nazario in Virginia um, with a horrific um, racial uh, episode that happened in 1946 involving a uh, returning um, World War II vet um, in um, in South Carolina by the name of um, Isaac, Isaac Woodard. Um, he came across uh, some very violent uh, and, um, and, well, horrifically was beaten up and his eyes gouged out by um, 
um, by a police chief in South Carolina. And that awful episode um, uh, ended up uh, uh, eventually leading um, uh, Harry Truman to uh, de desegregate um, the military and uh, led to some other um, uh, productive things as well. But it's a, it's a somewhat forgotten episode, um, but the Karen Nazario uh, incident in Virginia sort of um, you know, brought that up to mind. And so that's what I'm writing about. Again, that's it. That's at B Opinion um, uh, on, 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 on Twitter. So thank you. Thank you very much. Uh, and you can find me on Twitter at Brennanator, on Instagram at Brennanatorgram. Thank you again, panel. Uh, and thank you, as always, to Declan Chaldy and Jordi Belair, who designed the electoral dysfunction eagle art. Thank you to Kevin, Kevin Scott for doing our show animation. Thank you to Joanne Harris for doing our show theme music. And thank you to Ned Thorne for helping me put these together every single week. Now to play us out this week, uh, we're going to throw it over to Philadelphia uh, to a, for a little history lesson from our old friend, uh, his students know him as Mr. Chris Cuncio. We know him as young Ben Franklin. Ned Thorne, star wipe us to Philly. The body of B. Franklin, printer, like the cover of an old book, its contents torn out and stripped of its lettering and gilding lies here, food for worms. But a work shall not wholly be lost, for it will, as he believed, appear once more, in a new and more perfect edition, corrected and amended by the author. He was born on January 6, 1706, died April 17, 1790, resurrected in 2019, I'm America's Aristotle, my logic rivals the Bible Philly's philosophical Americano model Second coming of the grandfather, here's my tabernacle I'm holding all the power, everybody's golden idol My followers, the fathers, 56 disciples Got a posse of apostles and my title runs for miles I'm a printer, a writer, diplomatically delightful Inventor, leader, educator, everybody Smile! Sharper than a knife, I sharpen minds like a file The doctor's got a scalpel, open minds, I'll make you mindful Chosen one, I'll pour that pure cure off from my vial It's that good stuff, lightning in a motherfucking bottle It's chosen by the gods, it's the hour of my arrival The free world's on fire, lady liberty's defiled I'll revive my book, an autobiographical revival Recite a dissertation on why I'm a demigod, bro Do you have it? Did I go too fast? Do you have it? Did I go too fast? I'm Benjamin Franklin. I'm back from the past. About to show you how to make a legacy last. As we begin our story, the first thing is to forget everything you think you know about me. Forget the stale image you have of me. Understand, my amazing exploits began at a very young age. I mean, this is why I'm great. I just have to say, I was an old, bald, and fat always. See, back in the day, a chalk white ginger, yep, I was red-headed I'd fight the apprentices of other tradesmen And knock them when they're down on the ground As an exclamation point See this point, young Ben, such a prodigy Top-notch scholarly, gosh, pop's proud of me Skipping grades quick, I put a clinic on these fools I'm so hot, ha, ha, get me to the pool I learned how to swim, taught the styles to myself Hell, I invented swimming flippers when I was 12 straight I saw ducks paddling with webbed feet Made wooden paddles for my hands Neat technique Simple thing, my design so plain 
Adult Swimming Hall of Fame. Dang. And that's why I'm great. Well, at least one way.